Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. We are starting a brand new week, uh, a new week in the Word, and I'm excited for it. What about you? Going to be a good week? Going to be a good day? Uh, I pray that it is. Uh, Thank you for being with me. Thank you for choosing to uh, read your Bible with me uh, every single day. Monday through Friday, we're uh, live here on Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify, any place you get a podcast, you can either catch it uh, video or audio, and it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. It's not about me or my ego. It's really just about my life in the Word and your life in the Word. And if we can share that life in the Word and make each other better and make each other more faithful, then I think we're doing a good thing for each other. So I thank you for your friendship in the Word. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 That's where we are today. We're just going verse by verse. We're in the Gospel of Mark right now. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus calls the twelve. When I say Jesus calls the 12, that's what Mark calls them. Uh, It's not that the other gospel writers never call them the 12, but Mark almost always calls them the 12, uh, over 10 times, just the 12, the 12. He doesn't say 12 disciples, doesn't say 12 apostles, the 12. He just calls them the 12. Uh, Interestingly enough, in verse 14, uh, in in Mark's uh, Greek language, he says, Jesus, you know, called, you know, these uh, once he wanted to go with him, he called them all together, and there on top of the mountain, he made the 12. He created the 12. I think that's really an interesting sort of formulation. He created the 12. Because honestly, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a new messianic community. Jesus is the Messiah, and it's almost now like he creates these new, a new people from, from, from the 12 tribes you know, a a new 12, a new community, and it's going to be based upon, of course, Jesus himself, the Messiah, but also these 12, the 12 that he calls them. Notice that the number one qualification, they just had to be with him. He's called the 12. They're going to accompany him. They're going to be with him. They're going to participate in his ministry of proclamation, his preaching, and also, don't miss it, they're going to be a part of his work to overthrow the evil one, to overthrow Satan. He gives them authority to cast out demons. I love that. And then what follows is the list. I guess Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all give lists of the 12, but but Mark's is, uh, again, follows sort of the same pattern, but there's some weird things in Mark's list I'll just sort of point out to you. Uh, he calls Simon, uh, mentions that he's, you know, surnamed or, or nicknamed Peter. Uh, I think most of the time, Mark probably continues to call him Simon. I'm not sure about that. We'll, we'll follow that as we go, but it's just interesting that he starts with Simon. All of the lists do, but then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus nicknames them sons of thunder. Uh, and then Andrew, just kind of interesting. Uh, and I don't. Uh, Peter, James, and John are kept together. These three have prominence within the twelve. Andrew is Peter's brother, but is listed fourth. So they're not listed together, even though they were called together in chapter one, verse sixteen. Uh, Philip, Bartholomew. Uh, just to throw out, Bartholomew's not an actual name. It's not a. It's not a proper name. It's. I guess you'd call it a. a patronymic name patronymic it's a it's a name from the father so it just literally means bar if, if you're used to you know hebrew bar tholomew means son of tholomew you know son of talmai um, like barnabas means son of encouragement it, it's it's a it, it's a patronymic name but it's not necessarily a proper name uh, so he may have actually had another name more common name uh, he lists next Matthew, whom he called Levi earlier in chapter 1, verse 14. So it's interesting that he's Matthew here, uh, Thomas the twin, 
Uh, his name just means the twin. James, son of Alphaeus, which raises the question, you know, earlier when he's telling the story of the calling of Matthew, the calling of Levi, Levi is called the son of Alphaeus. So if that's true, then it's possible that we have three sets of brothers in the 12. James, son of Alphaeus, could be Matthew or Levi's brother, which I think is kind of, kind of interesting. Thaddeus, uh, in Luke chapter 6, I think it's around verse 15, 16, um, He's called Judas, the son of James. Thaddeus could also be Judas. Simon the Zealot, which is an interesting designation, and the Judas Iscariot who later betrayed him. It's really interesting that from the very beginning, the, the, the fact that Jesus' betrayal comes from one of those 12, one of those closest disciples, that in some ways is an embarrassing fact that you would have thought that maybe the early church would have tried to cover that up, but there's no effort whatsoever to cover up the truth. He was betrayed by one of those who started out as his closest follower. So that's the 12, and, and that's, uh, that, that's how Mark uh, list them out. Obviously, they're listed here in the beginning, but there's this clear anticipation that they are going to be the ones that extend Jesus's ministry after Easter. Um, this may be the first time we hear a lot of their names. Most of these men aren't going to figure importantly in Mark's gospel at all, uh, but the fact is they will be important in the life of the early church and the early life of the spread of the gospel. Um, what follows uh, verses 20 to 20, uh, 2930, uh, obviously kind of a, a, a unit here. Uh, it's interesting. Jesus enters a house. Crowds are gathering in. Most likely he's back in Capernaum, and this is that house of Peter and Andrew's. Again, it, it's sort of his headquarters. Couldn't even find time to eat, and, uh, and his family heard about that. His family heard what was happening, and it says they tried to take him away. They said he's out of his mind. Uh, I think the Greek there is he's beside himself, <laughs> which is the same thing, beside himself, out of his mind, you know, he's insane. Um, that's an embarrassing kind of, again, an embarrassing fact to include in a story about Jesus, but they include it, his family. Uh, they thought he was insane, and we find out later his mother's in this group. You know, I mean, Mary, um, apparently Mary's faith didn't uh, necessarily mean that she wouldn't have come with, with some desire to pull Jesus aside and, and make him a sandwich. I mean, it, it's that idea that he's not eating. Uh, Jesus is consumed with his ministry. He attends to his personal needs of prayer and solitude with the Father, but you know, at the same time doesn't seem to eat to the satisfaction of his mother, his family. So they, they, they come to take him away. The story is just sort of left there, and it follows. But then the teachers of religious law who would arrive from Jerusalem, it's, don't let that sort of fly by there. That, that sounds like that's a delegation of legal experts sent from Jerusalem, which means Jesus's, uh, the, the anxiety about Jesus's ministry has now reached the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, and they've sent out a, a delegation of legal experts uh, to, to investigate. So th th that's not an insignificant little detail there, so don't, don't miss that. Jesus's Galilean mission has reached Jerusalem uh, they think he's possessed by Satan. That's what they say. He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's how he casts out demons. Okay, that's dumb. <laughs> and Jesus steps forward to point out the fallacy of that. Like, 
Are you trying to say that Satan cast out Satan by the power of Satan? Because that's dumb. That, that would mean like the, the, the kingdom of evil is divided and fighting itself, in which case it would be weakening. And, and by all accounts, uh, Satan still has quite a lot of power. I mean, the Gospel of Mark continues to show the opposition and power of Satan to oppress and possess people. Um, so again, Jesus says, let me illustrate it further. Let's say there's a strong man, a bully on the playground, and uh, the only way to take out a bully is to get somebody bigger than the bully. And, and so the implication here is Satan's a strong man, but Jesus is stronger. And Jesus has come to, uh, to conquer and, and vanquish the work of the evil one. Only someone even stronger could tie him up and plunder his house. You know, So the implication there is ain't no way that the power comes from Satan because the power is actually destroying the power of Satan. Again, that's not even hard. I mean, I appreciate Jesus and his wisdom here to stand up and point out that fallacy, but it was kind of dumb from the start to suggest that that Satan is casting out Satan. But it's this verse that comes next that has people all tied up in knots. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except for the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. That won't be forgiven. I mean, people lose their minds over that. Uh, this verse has a lot of you know, debate and argument outside this context, but obviously Mark puts it in this context. So start there if you want to worry about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They've said that Jesus is possessed by an evil spirit, but Jesus points out, no, my power can't come from the evil spirit because I'm the one casting out the power of evil, so therefore Jesus' power must be from the Holy Spirit. So in this instance, uh, the, the Pharisees, the experts of religious law, are saying that Jesus' power from the Holy Spirit is actually from Satan. It's to attribute to Satan the work of God or the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so even the Pharisees recognize blasphemy as, 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 as profanation of the name. You, know, you can't profane the name of God. And, and, and it's exactly what they do. If they're calling the work of Jesus to save actually the work of the devil, well, that means they're refusing and rejecting the power of God and the grace of God uh, in Jesus to save. Uh, and, and so they're literally calling Jesus' work demonic, the, the saving work of Jesus as evil. And in that case, you know, to, to refuse the work of salvation in Jesus is always going to be unforgivable. You know, ultimately, the only unforgivable sin is to reject Jesus, and that's what they're doing. So, so don't miss that. They have said that Jesus' power comes from, from evil, but Jesus is saying, no, my power is from the Holy Spirit, and if you reject that, then you will be condemned forever. You, you, you get that? And then once more, back to Jesus' family, they come up. Jesus' mothers and brothers are outside to see him. Remember, the house is always full of people that want to see and hear Jesus. And I guess now that they've like passed the word up through the crowd, hey, tell Jesus his mom is here, his brothers and sisters are here. And uh, Jesus here says, who is my mother? Who is my brother and sisters? I know it sounds rude, uh, the kind of words that would break a mama's heart. But what Jesus is literally saying here is uh, there's a new family called into being now. I mean, it's a new family. It's in these last days that, you know, this, the, the, the son of man has come 
uh, as prophesied in the last days. And in these last days, there's a new urgency, which means that there is a, a new formulation of family and a new urgency for obedience. And that's why Jesus says, anyone who obeys the will of my father, anyone who does my will is my brother and sister and mother. Again, it's just this new formulation of family. There's a new urgency. There is a new creation in every way because of the work and appearance of Jesus. Uh, anyway, that's the end of chapter three. That's a lot, y'all. Uh, how, how long over have I gone? Uh, let's pick up here tomorrow. We'll do the first 20 verses of chapter four, okay? So Mark chapter four, verses one through 20. It's my day off. I, I, I've actually got some big stuff today, so pray for me. I got some things to take care of that are more work-related, but I will be at Myers later. Lord willing, the family still got to eat. Case and I still got to eat. Uh, so I pray you have a good day. I, I love you guys so much. It's going to be a good week. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock. 10 with 10 will be in Mark chapter 4. So read the first 20 verses. I love you. Have a, have a great day.